we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the program. This is our Thursday edition of The Core here on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. And um, we've had a busy week here at our headquarters uh, in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. And today we actually have an event we're hosting on campus, a biblical worldview training event where we bring in 40. uh, We have about 40 individuals, about 40 families that came in um, uh, to be uh, trained on what it means to have a biblical worldview. And so we're trying to do these events every few months here on our, on our brand new campus here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and um, in, uh, in an effort to carry out our mission, our vision, and our core values. And our, our vision uh, here at American Family Association is to be a leading organization for biblical worldview training to be a leading organization for biblical worldview training. And when we set on the path to uh, build a new headquarters just across the street here, uh, this goes back three-plus years ago, but when we began the discussions about uh, building a, a, a new headquarters because of various reasons, we wanted to honor my grandfather, Don Wildman. And so we after prayer and, and much thought and discussion, we agreed upon naming the building the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation. The Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation. So the, the new center is being used for exactly that purpose, transforming culture one um, individual, one family at a time. So that's what we've been doing this week on our campus. Well, we are in the book of Psalm. And if you want to watch the show, we make it available at streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. That's where you can go and log in. If you already have an account on our brand new video streaming platform, you can go there. If you already have an account, log in. Right there on the homepage, you'll see the top menu bar uh, where it says AFA at the core is live now. Click on it. You'll be be able to access the video. If you don't have an account, a free account on our streaming platform, it's very easy to do. It takes you just a couple minutes. All you need is an email and a password, and then you can begin watching all kinds of AFA-produced content, including this show. Uh, there on our video platform, we also live stream the show on Facebook as well. So whichever place you prefer, uh, you can watch AFA at the core live, watch the video, and then watch archived videos as well. We are in Psalm chapter 34 this week, and we covered it a little bit on Monday. And so here we are in Psalm chapter 34. Um, Looking at verse 18, 19, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 
And so when you look at this, you you know, it, it's 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 abundantly clear throughout scripture that the believer will have a broken heart at times will have a broken heart that the believer will have a crushed spirit this is the way david describes it in the book of psalms uh he also describes it as as the believer having afflictions he calls it the afflictions of the righteous but he concludes this thought with this but the lord delivers him out of them all and so it's it's given that the believer will have trials, will have difficulty, will have challenges here on this earth because we're all living in a fallen world. But two truths, or really one truth, that I want us to remember is that, the, that, that it says, David says, the Lord delivers him out of them all. And then secondly, the question that we have to ask ourselves is how will we respond when we face affliction, how will we respond uh, when uh, we have a broken heart? And so our response needs to be uh, to turn our eyes upon the Lord. Well, we are going to have some special guests later on in the program. We're going to have on with us Debbie Wuth now with iVoter Guide. She'll be uh, in studio with us to talk about the iVoter Guide as we head into the November election. We'll also have on in the last segment David Stevenson. He's the director for the Center for Energy and Environment over at the Caesar Rodney Institute. We're going to talk about so-called climate change and the agenda uh, to hijack all of our energy production, all of our energy con- consumption, and use it for political purposes. So we'll talk with uh, we'll talk with uh, guest David Stevenson in the last segment about that. On that topic, I do have a uh, a very interesting report, very enlightening report. This is, uh, I came across this. This is a group of about 1,200-plus scientists from multiple nations around the world, most of them based in Europe. At least this uh, declaration was meant for Europe. But it's called World Climate Declaration. And here's the first page. For those watching on uh, AFA streaming or watching on Facebook, you can see this. But here we have uh, the f- first page of this report from uh, what's called the Global Climate Intelligence Group. And the first page says, there is no climate emergency. That's what it says. That's the declaration. There is no climate emergency. So as we look at this, we go, okay, so they say there, there is no climate emergency. Well, let, let's expound on this. Let me read a little bit from this report. And this is, this is one of the issues of our day. There are multiple issues of the day that we face as a society, as a culture, as a, as a church. But stewarding God's creation is one of the major topics that we, that we face today. And many people are wanting to co-opt or hijack um, the management and the stewardship of God's creation for purely political and ideological purposes, many for evil purposes. That's why this is important. So here's re- reading from the report. There, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six truths that are stated here and expounded upon. So I'm going to read through this relatively brief. So we won't 
stay on this too long, but just reading through this, it says, Natural as well as anthropogenic factors cause warming. The geological archive reveals that Earth's climate has varied as long as the planet has existed. Imagine that. With natural and with natural cold and warm phases. The Little Ice Age, for example, ended as recently as 1850. Therefore, it is no surprise that we now are experiencing a period of warming. Second point. Warming is far slower than predicted. The world has warmed significantly less than predicted by the IPCC. That's a group on climate change. On the basis of modeled anthropogenic forcing, the gap between the real world and the modeled world tells us that we are far from understanding climate change. Third point, climate change or climate policy relies on inadequate models. So this group goes on to report that... According to their estimates, climate models have many shortcomings and are not remotely plausible as policy tools. They do not only exaggerate the effect of greenhouse gases, but they also ignore the fact that enriching the atmosphere with CO2 is actually beneficial. Their uh, fourth point, CO2 is plant food, the basis of all life on Earth. CO2 is not a pollutant, they say. It is essential to all life on Earth. More CO2 is favorable for nature, greening our planet. Additional CO2 in the air has promoted growth in global plant biomass. It is also profitable for agriculture, increasing yields of crops worldwide. It's as if we have a creator. (laughs) This is my own commentary. It's as if we have a creator. The more people... The more CO2, the more growth, the more yields for crops. The more food we have, because the more food we need. Uh, Point number five here. Global warming has not increased natural disasters. That's a truth. There is no statistical evidence that global warming is intensifying hurricanes, floods, droughts, and such like natural disasters, or making them more frequent. That is not backed up by data at all. However, there is ample evidence that CO2 mitigation measures are as damaging as they are costly. Climate policy must respect scientific and economic realities. There is no climate emergency, they say. This is the last point, point number six. Therefore, there is no cause for panic and alarm. We strongly oppose the harmful and unrealistic net zero CO2 policy proposed for 2050. This is in regards to Europe. Go for adaptation adaptation instead of mitigation. Adaptation works, whatever the causes are. So that's the conclusion of this report here. Very fascinating. We will link to this on our podcast page at AFR.net if you want to read it for yourself. But, you know, this is further backed up. The fact that there is no climate emergency is further backed up by how this is being politicized and how the media is trying to shape this narrative of panic and ultimate control. Let me show you two stories here. Let me show you two stories here. The first one is out of Colorado. Uh, so this is a story this week. Came across a story this week. Uh, I'm reading from from Fox Weather, but you can find this story on multiple media outlets. But it's in regards to the Colorado River. So the Colorado River is. Um, and, and that region is experiencing historic droughts, all right? And when you say historic, 
I can't quantify that because I haven't looked at all the data, but it's it's a very dry period. Let me just say that. And so the, the Colorado River is, is uh, the level, the water levels are low, are lower than what's desired. Let's put it that way. Um, so I'm reading from this uh, from this Fox Weather Report, and and listen to this. Uh, new mandatory water cuts were issued Tuesday along the Colorado River as water levels at important reservoirs continue to linger around all-time lows. Okay, so we got a water level issue here, which means we got a water supply issue to a certain extent. It goes on to say that uh, the Department of Interior announced a plan to improve and protect the Colorado River system stating that they will operate in a Tier 2 shortage for the first time. Downstream releases from uh, Glen Canyon and Hoover Dams, which create lakes Powell and Mead, will be reduced again in 2023 due to declining reservoir levels. All right, so the important part here is listen to this. This comes after Lake Mead and Lake Powell continue to reach record lows due to climate change. All right, so Fox Weather, all right, this is a company, this is a division of Fox News, Fox Weather attributes the water levels in Colorado and the Colorado River and the, and the surrounding lakes as being where they are as a direct result of climate change. And we're being told over here that climate change is our fault, right? Well, I go over to the New York Times and I'm like, well, I wonder what the New York Times thinks. All right, now, this is a separate story, so this isn't in regards to Colorado, but it's in regards to the weather and rain and flooding and droughts. And listen to this. Here's what the New York Times said, uh, New York Times said just uh, last month in July. Here's what New York Times said about flooding and climate change. They said, when it comes to river floods, climate change is likely exacerbating the frequency and intensity of the extreme flood events. But decreasing the number of moderate floods, researchers found in a 2021 study published in Nature. All right, all right. So so Fox says it's climate change. We have low water levels because of climate change. You go over to the New York Times and they say, too much rain. Too many floods, too much water. We got to cut down on the water. Which one is it? Is climate change causing droughts or is climate change causing floods? Because it can't be both. But here's the reality is for them, it can be both. Because their ideology, their agenda is not rooted in truth. It's not rooted in science. It is all rooted in more government and elite control. That's all this is about is control. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Rejoice with those who rejoice. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Michael, a five-year-old boy, showed up at the courthouse in Grand Rapids, Michigan for an adoption hearing with his foster parents and he had a crowd of unusual supporters. Michael's entire kindergarten class sat in the audience behind him, waving big red hearts mounted on wooden sticks to show their support. The kindergartners offered the most touching answers, standing up and telling the court, I love Michael, or Michael's my best friend. Michael's new father and mother had been married nearly 10 years, and he'd been living with them as a foster child for more than a year. Adoption truly is at the heart of the gospel. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Resiliency is a popular word in parenting circles. In fact, even at American Heritage Girls, we talk a lot about raising resilient girls to become strong women. We are all about girls mustering up their God-given strength and facing difficulty with grit and moxie. But in this quest for resiliency, it's possible for girls to learn how to repress their feelings. Emotional intelligence is one of the greatest lessons you can teach your girl in their quest towards resiliency. Recognizing and knowing how her feelings affect her is a powerful tool. Just as ignoring pain doesn't actually make one stronger, ignoring feelings doesn't make her more resilient. Resiliency is overcoming difficulty, but not at the cost of ignoring or downplaying it. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, uh, if you've listened to the Core before, then you've heard about the iVoter Guide. Well, we have Debbie Wethnow in with us. She's president of iVoter Guide which is a division of American Family Association Action. Welcome back in studio, Debbie. Great to be here, Walker. You probably, do you ever get tired of promoting the iVoter Guide? Nope, because there's a lot of work and a lot of passion that goes into it. And That's the right. reason we do it is to get people to use it. So we want people to use it. We want people to share it with their friends and their family and their church. Otherwise, it's pointless. Yeah, so. you're so good at promoting it. And I mean that genuinely. Do you ever like catch yourself talking in your sleep promoting the iVoter Guide statistics? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, so you 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 are able to cut it off. <laughs> I the, think so. the I voted guy I promo. Did work off. life balance. You got to have something, right? There you go. Good deal. <laughs> well, hey uh, Debbie, before we jump into what is the iVoter guide, and uh, many of our audience probably have heard of it, maybe even used it, hopefully. Uh, but let's touch on the history of iVoter guide and AFA and how we all got connected, how God orchestrated this as far as Richard Ford now uh, in eternity in glory. Uh, passed away just a couple months ago, several months ago. Uh, but how did well, Richard founded iVoter Guide, but then you came on board, uh, what, 10 years ago, a little bit About longer? About 2011, 2011. Okay. Yeah, so Richard was a grassroots political activist, worked with the legislature in Texas and getting conservative legislation passed, helped found the conservative caucus, actually, in the Texas legislature, um, and had this realization, I've never voted an intelligent ballot, my personal ballot, top to the bottom. He goes, I know those state legislators, but, you know, I don't know about justice of peace and all these other roles. 
but they're important. They all have an impact on our life. He said, so he took upon to research those candidates. And that's where the philosophy of iVoterGuide was founded, really, the look at what they do, not just what they say they're going to do. So he started same way iVoterGuide does, got their scorecards if they'd ever held office. How have they voted? Other organizations that scored how they voted. He got their campaign finance data because what somebody does with their pocketbook, who's buying their influence, who are they accepting money from that's that's paying for influence, who are they giving money to personally, tells a lot about what's important to them, got their endorsements, send them all the survey. And then he gathered friends around a conference table that looked at all of that data because it's all based on data. And then they rated each candidate. So in a parallel universe, Jim Snaringer was this retired IBM programmer, lived in Austin and had written Bible study software and had served on his local school board and understood the importance of elected office, had this idea to do a voter guide on the internet, but he didn't know how to do a voter guide. And it was God who really, I talk about it, a tapestry and the, they're like the waft and the weave. They, the God brought them together and wow. it was Richard's philosophy and Jim started to program it. And that was back in like about 2006, 2007. The first I voter guide was in Texas in 2008, and it was just Texas, seven largest counties or five largest counties, top to the bottom of the ticket. And it was on the internet, available on, on the, the internet, internet at wow. com. But so you went to get your personalized ballot that way. Um, after the 2010 elections, they kind of had proven the cost concept and kind of built it out a little bit, realized Texas was doing okay, but the rest of the nation needed help. And that's when they decided to go nationwide. And that's where uh, I think Richard had a conversation with David Lane, who said, have you talked to Don Wildman at AFA? Wow. Because they would be interested in this. And Richard's like, I'm not ready. I don't have a present. I don't have a PowerPoint or presentation. <laughs> and uh, David just set up the appointment and Don spent, like, you know, her 10 minutes and yeah. said, buddy, make it happen. And ever since we've had the pleasure of working with yeah. AFA is really, we called you guys our founding partner. Now we call you our kind of, parent but yeah. uh, it's it's been it's it's neat to see how that's played out over time yeah god really has orchestrated all of that it's amazing you know man man thinks he's in charge but really god's in charge Amen. and I, I love it um um so for those who don't know as well afa actions the governmental affairs affiliate of american family association and so afa action reached out to richard back last year and debbie and the whole team and we Pitch this wild idea, this far-fetched idea. From the Wildmans. Yeah, of, of <laughs> iVoterGuide and AFA Action merging and us acquiring iVoterGuide, and we put this thing together and turn it into a big package uh, entity. And so that's what we've done, and so here we are now. So Debbie and I are colleagues. We both work over at AFA Action. Uh, so the iVoterGuide, Debbie, we're, we're in primary season. We're close to being out of primary season, but we're still in primary season going into the general election. We have iVoterGuide.com. What does iVoterGuide.com do? iVoterGuide.com equips you to be a good steward of your citizenship. We give you the tools to, to know when to vote, to, know, to give you information on the candidates on your ballot, the dates to vote, the, where do you go to vote, um, and even some education on some of the issues. I know AFA and AFR does a great job of educating. We have some civics education news articles that we provide as well, to just to drop in the bucket, but in the, in the lane of mm. elections and stewardship. And uh, so the whole point of it is to give you, the voter, your personalized ballot. We want to make it as easy as we can, a one-stop shop of information. So if you go to iVoterGuide.com and you enter your voting address, uh, we tell you the races that are on your ballot, the candidates that are going to be on your ballot, uh, our rating that comes from our panel that's rated the candidates, but yet we have all the data there for you to choose for yourself. And I will tell you the primary is the most important time to vote 
And um, it's also the most difficult time to vote. Fewer people vote because it's hard to know who to vote for. Yes. So we've done that research for you. And, and not not as much awareness as far as uh, media coverage and yeah. uh, primaries are just a, a, a typically historically lower turnout yeah. than, than general. Uh, on, on average, 20% of those who are of a registered voters are the ones who vote in a primary. Now, at a presidential election, everybody talks about it. It's as much as 60% or more. But a primary, it's just, you know, lower awareness, lower lack of information. So it's really important because your voice, you have more voice. More, yeah. more Your vote makes, is a higher percentage of the turnout. Yeah. Well, uh, Debbie, we have uh, we have researchers, and they, they compile the data, they compile the information. And then we have uh, evaluators or panelists, and they place the grade. Um, but it's very informative, very detailed. So when you go to iVoterGuide.com for our audience, uh, you're presented with, with two options, really, to find your ballot, your detailed ballot. So you can either enter your full address, and that'll bring you, I mean, down to the to the last detail of who all is on your ballot. Uh, but then you can, if you want a more broad uh, a view, you can actually click on your state and see, you know, your entire state, uh, all the candidates running within your state. Uh, but, Debbie, um, when, when people go here, you know, they probably – you know, download it, uh, print it, whatever, email it to their to their family and friends. But there's so much that goes into it on the back end uh, from a, a human input level. Uh, what what are some of the details that happen leading up to getting the final voter guide published? Uh, lots of details. The project that we have is huge. Um, it starts with uh, we get the campaign finance data. So we have specially written code that is downloaded and processed the raw uh, campaign filing data from the Federal Election Commission for federal candidates, and then for any state where we go to statewide or state legislative candidates, that state has their own database because those legislators or those candidates file with that state. So we've written code for each state. We put it into this huge database, millions upon millions of uh, records about every donation that's out there. So then when an election happens, we have a team of paid researchers, part-time people that work virtually from their home, who are entering the candidates into those races, somebody's creating the elections in our system, and then we're matching campaign finance data to each candidate who's filed. We are entering scorecards of legislators who've been in office um, from almost 500 scorecard organizations. We have a whole team of um, endorsement, I will call them detectives or diggers, Mm. who were scraping for groups who've endorsed candidates, checking candidate websites for who they claim has endorsed them, and then verifying that, putting that on the website. And then a huge job is for us to send the candidate survey to each candidate to make sure that candidate, that we've got their contact information, that the candidate gets to see that survey and that they answer it in time so that our panelists have all the data there to do the evaluation. And then they're facilitating all the panel meetings as they discuss each candidate. And we review and make sure we've got all kinds of layers of quality controlled, really seeking to be accurate, reliable, uh, data-driven truth. Yeah, it's it's fascinating and it's a little overwhelming if you try to uh, bite it all off at one time. But it's a great tool. It educates voters. It tells voters where uh, the candidates stand on the issues. And Debbie, we, we really just need, and this is where the audience comes in, we need folks to use the voter guide because we're putting forth the researchers, the panelists, the entire team is putting together all these man hours, hundreds if not thousands of man hours, uh, heading into an election. And we need voters to go there and use it, pass it out to their neighbors, pass it out at church. Well, we even have materials to help you do that. Um, if you click in the top menu bar where it says act, 
Um, there are uh, neighborhood resources. There are church resources. We have a bulletin insert that you can print and pass out at church. We have little business card type things that you can block walk and hand to people. You can keep them in your purse. And when you say, you know, meet a friend, say, here's a tool that you need to use to vote wisely. Um, I would strongly encourage all the users to get on to the iVoterGuide email list because then we will let you know when we've released the voter guide in your state. And we send out these educational emails about once a week, not going to flood your inbox, but the whole goal of it is to teach you something that maybe is short and shareable and you can send it to friends to educate them. It lets them know a little bit about iVoterGuide. It's just a valuable tool to you and your friends that then raises awareness and more people learn about it. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is a part of American society and a part of America's uh, founding that is oftentimes undervalued. I mean, the the fact that we get to go um, and elect people to represent us at multiple levels at the local, you know, the county, the state, and the federal, the fact that we get to do that and, and as frequent as we do is a huge blessing and we just got to take advantage of it. It's not a, it's a blessing, but it's also a responsibility that's to, right. do it, to do it wisely. And that's why we exist to yeah. help you to be, to, to do that wisely, to yeah. have the information, to do the due diligence. I know that there's, I've learned this thing called an undervote, which is people who go into the, and I've done it. You go into the polling place and you see this race and you're like, I don't know who any of those people are. Mm-hmm. So you leave it blank. Well, that's somebody who shows a lack of information and that's the opportunity that exists for tools like iVoterGuide and for, uh, you know, just for voters to be more educated, come alongside us, help us uh, researching in your area. If you want to yeah. volunteer as a panelist, we'd love you to have you that. join us. Yeah. Yep. There's options. Oh, there's, there's, a, <clears throat> there's a ways you can get involved. And uh, I just want to challenge the audience uh, and speaking to myself here, you know, our country has, has been and is currently on teetering, you know, falling one direction or the other and right now you know we have uh you can cover the the negative news stories and what's uh, what's going wrong in washington dc and in certain states around the country there's some good news stories too we cover it here on the core um but in in 30 years and 40 years and 50 years when our grandkids when our great grandkids asked us what did we do what did we do when 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 america's founding principles when Christians were, were under attack from government, from elected officials, what did you do? At a minimum, you need to be able to say that I exercised my right to vote at every opportunity at every corner. That's that's at a minimum. And then, but we know God calls us to do so much more, Debbie. Well, the, the we say that the duty is ours, the results are God's. Yes. So we have to do our part and whatever God calls you to do at a minimum, it's vote. It could be volunteers a panelist it could be run as a candidate yep um, we all need to step up as God calls us and do our part and that's all that the iVoter guide team has been doing yep that's right and folks this is not about you know a lot, a lot of people try to uh, paint politics as a negative thing or something that's dirty and you don't need to get involved in it but look the reality is and we know this as believers or we should God instituted government so if God instituted government then he wants the believer to to be involved in some form or fashion, be involved or at least be involved in determining who is in government. So, Debbie Wethnow, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. And we'll have you on again, if not multiple times, between now and November elections. What's the date? Do you know the date of the general? I should. It's uh, first week, first Tuesday in November. First Tuesday in November. So folks can look at their calendar and figure it out. That's the homework. Go look at your calendar, <laughs> first Tuesday in November. That's the general election date and what you need to put on your calendar. Amen. Do it. All right. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you.
All right, that's uh, Debbie Wuth now with iVoterGuide. And as she mentioned, you go to their website, there's so many things you can do. Uh, the primary tool that they have is the Voter Guide. Key in your address uh, or type, click on your state, find out more information. And the goal this year is um, 3 point, no, the goal is 5 million, but 3.5 million reached thus far um, are, are, are thereabouts, Debbie. The goal is 5 million, but you said the other day we're, Either near three million or over three million. Yeah, we're between three and three and a half million already, and we haven't even finished all the primaries. Yeah, that's exciting. It's so our goal exciting. of five million, were we a little too non-aggressive? Maybe. You know what? God's big. I, you, you dream big and you do your best, and God can multiply. So. Yeah. So that's um, um, millions of households, uh, families. Uh, those are people that are being involved. And uh, just to give you the scope of, of what iVoterGuide is, is researching as far as numbers, um, this goes back to, to 2020. But in 2020, over 8,000 candidates uh, in the 2020 primary and general election, uh, over 3.5 million voters educated in the 2020 cycle. And so our goal this year, about 33 states we're going to cover. And when we say 33 states, that's down ballot as well uh, at the state level. Um, and what do you say, Debbie, 11,000, 12,000 candidates? Uh, we've already done 5,000 in the primary, and I, I, I'm expecting to exceed 12,000. That doesn't include those school board candidates that we're covering, and there are 200 school board races we're covering on top of the 33 states where we go down ballot. So it, it, it's it's a big number. <laughs> yeah, and the school boards are important. I mean, we've been seeing the stories, Critically. but school boards, local local politics is important, Debbie. It's where pe- that's where people, it, it impacts you more closely. People get more engaged in it, and it's a way that we grow um, – we have the biggest impact. Uh, hundreds of of the school districts we've covered so far, the winning candidate won by, um, in half the cases, uh, two, less than 200 votes. Wow. So you're talking about taking, like, your neighborhood and you, you flip an election. Or your church. Or your church and flip an election. Fascinating. So how much power do the American people have? Well, as much power as you want to use. That's the answer to that. Uh, But let's use it wisely. Let's be good stewards of what God's given us. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We've had on Debbie Wuth now with us. Uh, iVoterGuide.com is the URL. iVoterGuide.com is the URL. You can scroll the site, find your voter guide, find out how you can be involved, and we encourage you to do so. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more news and another special guest. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, 
Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. 80% of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. There are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? Dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love can save a life. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45 Bible. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. And we're always, we should always be up for a challenge. We should always be up uh, to be stretched within our uh, our current abilities or our current capabilities. Well, I just, uh, I just uh, challenged Bobby and um, and Marty and Richard, and I, I I requested a bottle of water with ten seconds to go until I went live. So everything though went perfect. I mean, Bobby reached back, Richard went for the water. And it was thrown across the table. It was excellent, excellent work. So they they passed the test, um, at least for now. Isn't that right, Bobby? We do what we can for the glory of God. <laughs> That's right. Even if it's throwing a bottle of water across the room, we got to do it all. Whatever it takes. With uh, with excellence. Well, uh, welcome back to the core. Glad to be with you today on the program. We just had on with us Debbie Wethnow with uh, iVoter Guide, and we encourage you to use that tool. And encourage your church members, your entire family, everybody to use that tool over at iVoterGuide. And the general election date is November 8th. November 8th, 20, uh, 2022 is the general election date here uh, in the U.S. of A. Well, I do want to introduce our next guest. Uh, I want to introduce David Stevenson. He's the director at the Center for Energy and Environmental Policy uh, over at the Caesar, uh, Caesar Rodney Institute. Hey, David uh, Stevenson, welcome to AFA at the Core. 
thank you. I'm so happy to be on your show. Yeah, yeah, glad glad to have you on, and we love to have a guest on uh, to speak to the issues of our day. Well, uh, David, one of the issues that I talk about frequently on the show is is what's called climate change. What's couched as climate change? It used to be global warming until the globe wasn't warming. Then they changed it to climate change. Uh, but this whole issue, uh, in, in my view, is is genuinely an attack on on God's created order, His creation, and an aim at increasing government control, government expansion. Talk a little bit about uh, this issue and your experience covering it. Well, you're exactly right. I, you know, I, I've listened to some of your broadcasts, and you you have you are hitting it right uh, the nail right on the head. Your, your first segment today, that there is no climate emergency, is spot on. I, I've been working on this, uh, the climate change, uh, global warming slash issue, uh, for the past 20 years. And uh, when I tell you, tell you I'm working on it, I, I, I've gone down to the individual meteorological station level and looked at raw data versus the data we get to see, and the two don't really uh, have much in common. So yes, uh, at at most, uh, we're seeing uh, maybe a tenth of a degree per uh, Fahrenheit per per decade of, of increase, and probably half of that is natural, and some of it might be carbon dioxide. But there is certainly no no emergency going on here. And when we see bills like this Inflation Reduction Act. And and the, and the breadth of what it covers—it's just amazing. I, I know uh, you and I may be two of the only people in the country that have read the entire 755 pages. <laughs> I, I heard that on one of your broadcasts. Uh, it, 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 the number of things—I mean, it's down to uh, there's money in here in, in case people in certain cities decide they want to take apart the interstate uh, highway that runs through their city because 70 years ago uh, it cut their neighborhood in half. Uh, there's almost anything you can think of in this bill. It, it's really a uh, first a tax increase bill, then secondly, uh, 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 supposedly a climate change bill. Yeah, David, I, I want you to talk to, talk to this this. The, the the motive here, the intent here, and and I know it's probably hard to guess, hard to predict, hard to analyze, uh, but but in your long experience, looking at the what's what's often called the climate activist and these, uh, you know, sometimes people call them tree huggers, whatever you want to call them, um, their their aim is to to severely regulate humans and their, their, their functions and their energy consumption and usage in the name of, quote-unquote, saving the planet. But there's got to be more to this. I mean, it is, it is, this, is, this agenda is pursued with like a, like almost like a religious belief. What is behind, what's the motive, what's the end game if these folks got everything they wanted on their wish list? Well, you, uh, I'll go into the list, but if you, the, the the basic issue gets back here, there there's a, a, a percentage of people. It's called the progressive movement that thinks we should uh, the entire country should be run by so-called experts in the government, and that really goes back to uh, Woodrow Wilson and Teddy Roosevelt, who kind of started the progressive movement, and that's been going on for a hundred years. And every year we get a little further along that these experts are going to. Uh, 
going to give us direction. I, I got to, to meet some of those fir- folks firsthand. I actually had the, the pleasure to serve with uh, President Trump on his uh, EPA transition team, so I got to, to go in and talk to these folks. But when you look at when you look at the bottom line, when when you really see what they're asking for, uh, they're they're looking at complete control because we aren't smart enough to make our own decisions. Uh, they would prefer that no one had air conditioning. They would prefer that no one eats meat. They would prefer that the population goes from eight billion down to one billion. Mm. They never talk about how we get there, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's it, it, uh, you know you you should uh, not have a private car. You should just use uh, public transportation. And one one of the reasons for some of this is a lot of these folks are in urban areas where you've got buses, you've got subways, you, you've got these kind of options. Uh, a friend of mine was in a parking lot having a disagreement with, with a fellow with an electric vehicle, and uh, uh, my friend asked him, well, where do you think the electricity comes from? And he points to an outlet, outlet, outlet over there. You know, not the coal plant or the <laughs> nuclear plant or the natural gas plant uh, uh, 100 miles away that, that, that's keeping us going. So, I mean, that's the bottom line. This is... And and each of these bills, like this bill, is designed to move us further down that path, and uh, so so that that's the bottom line. And you're exactly right. This is this is not the America that we know and love, and it certainly uh, isn't the the America of of, of the rural uh, population, uh, small town America. This is uh, urbanization at its worst, uh, progressivism at its worst. Well, David, as as you look at America's energy uh, production, our our energy use, or consumption, and how it really fuels all of our economy, uh, with with the current assault on fossil fuels that we see today with the Biden administration, um, not you know not not renewing uh, or not granting new leases, uh, trying to tax the fossil fuel industry above and beyond what they already tax them, how how long? Let's say. Let's say that the status quo today remains in place, and even the, even this this group that's in power now gets even more aggressive as the months go on. How long can we continue to assault and, and dismantle our fossil fuel industry, but expect to keep the lights on in all of America's cities and continue to grow economically? At what point are we going to see where the assault on the fossil fuel industry will lead to not having enough power to run this massive country? Probably uh, nationwide, probably five to ten years, if Hmm. we continue at this pace. You you can already see what's happening if you look at California, where they get about 20% of their electricity from wind and solar. And they're already having problems with uh, with blackouts. You, you've got some of the states in the center of the country that are, that are now getting up to an even higher percentage uh, on wind. Uh, but they belong to a regional grid that still has the power, uh, haven't shut down all the plants yet. Uh, but one of the things this bill does is it provides a, 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 a about $30 billion to rural communities to turn off their coal plants mm. and go to more wind and solar. So it's, it's going to be, you know, you're going to get to the point where they're, they're simply, 
we're, we're going to have massive blackouts. And the sad, the sad thing is, you know, one of these winters or one of these extremely hot summer uh, periods, we are going to have an extensive blackout. And you get these rolling blackouts and start doing damages, damage to transformers and things like that. It can take a long time to bring the power back up. Uh, it's going to take that kind of emergency, I believe, for, for us to finally get together and, and turn this around. Yeah, this this Inflation Reduction Act that you keep citing, it, it not only does it have nothing to do with inflation, but it has everything to do with their Green New Deal and with their climate agenda and attacking the fossil fuel industry, yet at the same time subsidizing uh, the wind and solar industry, which is extremely unreliable. And I've said this multiple times, you know, if somebody wants to put uh, solar panels on their house or, or in their yard, if they want to build their own windmill, whatever, have at it. Uh, but don't force don't force the country to, to move to this, to transition to this and ditch the fossil fuel uh, industry and, and energy production because the fossil fuel Fossil fuels are, are, are so affordable and reliable, and it has really uh, led to the building uh, of this great country that we know today. Uh, well, David, I'm going to play this clip and then get your feedback. This, okay. is, this is Senator Joe Manchin. It's only about 16 seconds, but this is Senator Joe Manchin outside the White House admitting that the Inflation Reduction Act that we, we're talking about here does nothing in the short term to reduce inflation. Clip four. When it comes to inflation, is it misleading to call this the Inflation Reduction Act for Americans when it's not going to make their grocery bill cheaper? It's not going to make everyday goods cheaper for them. Why would it? Why would it? Well, immediately it's not. But we never said anything happened immediately. Like today, it's turn the switch on and off. Well, uh, David, th- th- they didn't caveat that when we were when we were sold this bill of goods. The, all the talking heads said this will reduce inflation. They didn't give a timeline. They said this will reduce inflation. Well, one of the key sponsors of the bill, Joe Manchin, comes out after it's passed and says, well, it's actually not going to reduce inflation, at least not for the foreseeable future. And Bernie Sanders said the same thing. Look, we've been here before. You go back, uh, you know, hope for some of us that are a little bit older with some gray hair like I have. <laughs> you, you know, you go back to the 60s and 70s, we went on a, uh, a guns and butter uh, rampage and started spending a lot more money than we had. And we went into a period for almost a decade with interest rates like we're seeing, to, with inflation like we're seeing today. And uh, finally, uh, I mean, I had a job transfer back there. I went up with a 13% mortgage rate on a new house. So um, what finally happened was Ronald Reagan got elected. He started freezing spending. He started tax cuts. And Paul Volcker started uh, what we've seen recently here where raising the prime rate. And, and after a very painful period... We got to a point where we were back to low interest rates, low inflation, and we had 20 years of, of, of good good income and a good economy. And and so this is exactly the opposite. We're not freezing spending. We're spending more money. We're, we're, we're not cutting taxes. We're raising taxes. And we're probably not raising the interest rates fast enough to, to stop this nonsense. So we're, this act does exactly the opposite of what we know works. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no economist, if you ask an economist, how do you fight inflation? None of them will say you need to print more money. I mean, that's that's the last answer on the checklist. You would fail the test if you answered uh, that you need to spend money in order to tighten the, the money supply and bring down inflation. Hey, David, thanks so much for coming on the core. We'll be sure to have you on again. Appreciate your input here on this energy 
uh, topic and the Inflation Reduction Act. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I would look forward to being back on. All right, David. Appreciate you coming on. That's uh, David Stevenson. He's the director over at the Center for Energy and Environmental Policy at the uh, Caesar Rodney Institute. Appreciate his input. He has an extensive background in this issue of the environment and energy, and uh, he served on the President uh, President Trump's Environmental Protection Agency transition team. Uh, he uh, has worked on issues such as the EPA Clean Power Plan, electrical grid reliability, the public policy drivers of energy costs, so on and so forth. Uh, so that was David Stevenson that we just had on. And this issue is about control. That's all this issue is about. It's about controlling you and me. It has nothing to do uh, with stewarding God's creation. Well, uh, one thing I did want to mention, and then we talked about this on Monday of the show, but I do want to reiterate uh, the availability of a, a book that we just released here at American Family Association, and that is Dangerous Affirmation, the Threat of Gay Christianity. Dangerous Affirmation, the Threat of, quote-unquote, Gay Christianity by our very own M.D. Perkins. That's available now at our resource center. It's an excellent book, an excellent resource, very in-depth, over 200 pages uh, talking about the threat of so-called gay Christianity within uh, the church here in America and what the believer must do uh, to respond, to uplift God's design for human sexuality. So go over to resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net. We'll link to that on the podcast page as well, on the course podcast page at afr.net. And uh, go ahead and order your copy of the book. Uh, Go ahead and order your copy of our latest uh, release from M.D. Perkins and uh, order some for your family and friends. Maybe make a good birthday or Christmas gift over at our Resource Center. Thanks so much for joining the Corps. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.